the Bible, a collection of 66 different books by around 40 different authors from many different backgrounds. There were kings and shepherds, soldiers, fishermen, doctors, poets and farmers. Some were young, some old, some rich, and some poor. And they wrote, each reflecting his own personality and style. From a wide variety of life circumstances. All the way from palace thrones and bedrooms. To the dungeons down in the palace basement. From seashores to mountaintops. And to the backsides of dry desert wastelands. In their books, the writers issued hundreds of specific future prophecies, all perfectly fulfilled or awaiting fulfillment. And they discuss every aspect of human life, hundreds of complicated and controversial topics. And yet, there is a unity and consistency of message in the Bible, from start to finish, that is nothing short of miraculous. Throughout history and today, millions of people around the globe call this book the Holy Bible, the very Word of God. It claims to be a self-revelation of the Supreme Being, the Creator Himself, stepping out of eternity into time and space to tell us and show us what He is like and to let us know His plan for our lives here on earth and in the hereafter. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar is your chance to actually hear, discuss, and decide for yourself about this book, The Bible. Stay tuned, and at the very least, you'll hear the beauty, wisdom, romance, adventure, and intrigue of the world's greatest literature, the best-selling, most translated book of all history. But more importantly, God himself just might speak to your heart and change your life forever. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Sophie Dollar. And here we are. Thank you very much, folks, for joining us tonight for the Bible Live, this unique opportunity we have here in South Texas to read through the entire Bible every year. We have just begun the books of Isaiah and Jeremiah. Jeremiah will take us all the month of August and into the first week of September. So we're going to be a good long while now in Isaiah, Jeremiah, and then the book of Lamentations as well. Then we'll go back to the New Testament and pick up again where we left off there, the book of Hebrews. Right now, though, we started with the book of Isaiah. Last night, a beautiful, powerful start because we begin to see that the time that Isaiah ministers, 60 years of his public ministry, are so very much like the years and the times that we are living here in our own country in the 21st century. A lot of similarities for us as God's people in America today. So we should take heed. Let God speak to our hearts and teach us how to be his people, faithful and true and powerfully effective in these times in which we live. Well, we'll get to that. Right now, though, we're going to go to Psalm 104. We're going to pick up at verse 10 tonight. This is a psalm that expresses appreciation for God and all he has done for us through his creation. He not only creates, but he sustains the world, the universe, for our benefit. Psalm 104, 10 through 23. You make the springs pour water into ravines, so streams gush down from the mountains. They provide water for all the animals, and the wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds nest beside the streams and sing among the branches of the trees. You send rain on the mountains from your heavenly home, and you fill the earth with the fruit of your labor. You cause grass to grow for the cattle. You cause plants to grow for people to use. You allow them to produce food from the earth, wine to make them glad, 
olive oil as lotion for their skin, and bread to give them strength. The trees of the Lord are well cared for, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. There the birds make their nests, and the storks make their homes in the firs. High in the mountains are pastures for the wild goats, and the rocks form a refuge for rock badgers. You made the moon to mark the seasons, and the sun that knows when to set. You send the darkness, and it becomes night, when all the forest animals prowl about. Then the young lions roar for their food, but they are dependent on God. At dawn they slink back into their dens to rest. Then people go off to their work. They labor until the evening shadows fall again. End of reading, Psalm 104, 10 through 23. There's a peace I've come to know. Though my heart and flesh may fail, there's an anchor for my soul. I can say it is well. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Has A little reminder there that no matter where we are reading in the Scriptures, whether it's the Old Testament, as we are in the book of Isaiah now, or back into the New Testament, it is all about Jesus. It's still all about Messiah, God's redemptive plan, revealing himself to every human being, and by the work of the Redeemer, by the work of Savior Jesus, bringing men and women, boys and girls, into a right relationship with himself, and judging the nations and societies on the basis of of their response to him as well. Well, let's pick up now in Isaiah chapter 5, where he begins to preach about Judah's unfaithfulness to the Lord. Isaiah 5, 8 through 9, 21. Isaiah 5. Destruction is certain for you who buy up property so others have no place to live. Your homes are built on great estates so you can be alone in the land. But the Lord Almighty has sealed your awful fate. With my own ears I heard him say, Many beautiful homes will stand deserted, the owners dead or gone. Ten acres of vineyard will not produce even six gallons of wine. Ten measures of seed will yield only one measure of grain. Destruction is certain for you who get up early to begin long drinking bouts that last late into the night. You furnish lovely music and wine at your grand parties. The harps, lyres, tambourines, and flutes are superb. But you never think about the Lord or notice what he is doing. So I will send my people into exile far away because they do not know me. The great and honored among them will starve and the common people will die of thirst. The grave is licking its chops in anticipation of Jerusalem, this delicious morsel. Her great and lowly will be swallowed up with all her drunken crowds. In that day the arrogant will be brought down to the dust. The proud will be humbled. But the Lord Almighty is exalted by His justice. The holiness of God is displayed by His righteousness. In those days, flocks will feed among the ruins. Lambs and kids will pasture there. Destruction is certain for those who drag their sins behind them, tied with cords of falsehood. They even mock the Holy One of Israel and say, Hurry up and do something. Quick, show us what you can do. We want to see what you have planned. Destruction is certain for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. 
Destruction is certain for those who think they are wise and consider themselves to be clever. Destruction is certain for those who are heroes when it comes to drinking, who boast about all the liquor they can hold. They take bribes to pervert justice. They let the wicked go free while punishing the innocent. Therefore, they will all disappear like burning straw. Their roots will rot and their flowers wither, for they have rejected the law of the Lord Almighty. They have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. That is why the anger of the Lord burns against His people. That is why He has raised His fist to crush them. The hills tremble and the rotting bodies of His people are thrown as garbage into the streets. But even then the Lord's anger will not be satisfied. His fist is still poised to strike. He will send a signal to the nations far away. He will whistle to those at the ends of the earth, and they will come racing toward Jerusalem. They will not get tired or stumble. They will run without stopping for rest or sleep. Not a belt will be loose, not a sandal thong broken. Their arrows will be sharp and their bows ready for battle. Sparks will fly from their horses' hooves as the wheels of their chariots spin like the wind. Roaring like lions, they will pounce on their prey. They will seize my people and carry them off into captivity, and no one will be there to rescue them. The enemy nations will growl over their victims like the roaring of the sea. A cloud of darkness and sorrow will hover over Israel. The clouds will blot out the light. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Isaiah 6 In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Hovering around him were mighty seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with the remaining two they flew. In a great chorus they sang, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. The glorious singing shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire sanctuary was filled with smoke. Then I said, My destruction is sealed, for I am a sinful man and a member of a sinful race. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew over to the altar, and he picked up a burning coal with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to my people? Who will go for us? And I said, Lord, I'll go. Send me. And he said, Yes, go. But tell my people this. You will hear my words, but you will not understand. You will see what I do, but you will not perceive its meaning. Harden the hearts of these people. Close their ears and shut their eyes. That way they will not see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn to me for healing. Then I said, Lord, how long must I do this? And he replied, Until their cities are destroyed with no one left in them until their houses are deserted and the whole country is an utter wasteland. Do not stop until the Lord has sent everyone away to distant lands and the entire land of Israel lies deserted. Even if only a tenth, a remnant, survive, it will be invaded again and burned. Israel will remain a stump. 
like a tree that is cut down. But the stump will be a holy seed that will grow again. Isaiah 7 During the reign of Ahaz, son of Jotham, and grandson of Uzziah, Jerusalem was attacked by King Rezin of Aram and King Pekah of Israel, the son of Remaliah. The city withstood the attack, however, and was not taken. The news had come to the royal court, Aram is allied with Israel against us. So the hearts of the king and his people trembled with fear, just as trees shake in a storm. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out to meet King Ahaz, you and your son Shear-Jashub. You will find the king at the end of the aqueduct that feeds water into the upper pool, near the road leading to the field where cloth is bleached. Tell him to stop worrying. Tell him he doesn't need to fear the fierce anger of those two burned-out embers, King Razin of Aram and Pekah son of Remaliah. Yes, the kings of Aram and Israel are coming against you. They are saying, We will invade Judah and throw its people into panic. Then we will fight our way into Jerusalem and install the son of Tabil as Judah's king. But this is what the sovereign Lord says. This invasion will never happen, because Aram is no stronger than its capital, Damascus, and Damascus is no stronger than its king, Razin. As for Israel, within 65 years it will be crushed and completely destroyed. Israel is no stronger than its capital, Samaria. And Samaria is no stronger than its king, Pekah son of Remaliah. You do not believe me? If you want me to protect you, learn to believe what I say. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Not long after this, the Lord sent this message to King Ahaz. Ask me for a sign, Ahaz, to prove that I will crush your enemies as I have promised. Ask for anything you like and make it as difficult as you want. But the king refused. No, he said, I wouldn't test the Lord like that. Then Isaiah said, Listen well, you royal family of David. You aren't satisfied to exhaust my patience. You exhaust the patience of God as well. All right then, the Lord himself will choose the sign. The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. God is with us. By the time this child is old enough to eat curds and honey, he will know enough to choose what is right and reject what is wrong. But before he knows right from wrong, the two kings you fear so much, the kings of Israel and Aram, will both be dead. The Lord will bring a terrible curse on you, your nation and your family. You will soon experience greater terror than has been known in all the years since Solomon's empire was divided into Israel and Judah. The mighty king of Assyria will come with his great army. In that day the Lord will whistle for the army of Upper Egypt and for the army of Assyria. They will swarm around you like flies. Like bees they will sting and kill. They will come in vast hordes, spreading across the whole land. They will settle in the fertile areas and also in the desolate valleys, caves, and thorny places. In that day the Lord will take this razor, these Assyrians you have hired to protect you, and use it to shave off everything, your land, your crops, and your people. When they finally stop plundering, a farmer will be fortunate to have a cow and two sheep left. The few people still left in the land will live on curds and wild honey because that is all the land will produce. In that day the lush vineyards, now worth as much as a thousand pieces of silver, will become patches of briars and thorns. The entire land will be one vast briar patch, a hunting ground overrun by wildlife. No one will go to the fertile hillsides where the gardens once grew, for briars and thorns will cover them. Cattle, sheep, and goats will graze there.
Isaiah 8. Again the Lord said to me, Make a large signboard and clearly write this name on it, Maher Shalal Hashbaz. I asked Uriah the priest and Zechariah son of Jeberechiah, both known as honest men, to testify that I had written it before the child was conceived. Then I slept with my wife, and she became pregnant and had a son. And the Lord said, Call him Maher Shalal Hashbaz. This name prophesies that within a couple of years, before this child is old enough to say Papa or Mama, the king of Assyria will invade both Damascus and Samaria and carry away their riches. Then the Lord spoke to me again and said, The people of Judah have rejected my gentle care and are rejoicing over what will happen to King Razin and King Pekah. Therefore the Lord will overwhelm them with a mighty flood from the Euphrates River, the king of Assyria and all his mighty armies. This flood will overflow all its channels and sweep into Judah. It will submerge Emmanuel's land from one end to the other. The Assyrians will cry, Do your best to defend yourselves, but you will be shattered. Listen, all you nations, prepare for battle and die. Yes, die. Call your councils of war, develop your strategies, prepare your plans of attack, and then die. For God is with us. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. The Lord has said to me in the strongest terms, Do not think like everyone else does. Do not be afraid that some plan conceived behind closed doors will be the end of you. Do not fear anything except the Lord Almighty. He alone is the Holy One. If you fear Him, you need fear nothing else. He will keep you safe. But to Israel and Judah he will be a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem he will be a trap that entangles them. Many of them will stumble and fall, never to rise again. Many will be captured. I will write down all these things as a testimony of what the Lord will do. I will entrust it to my disciples, who will pass it down to future generations. I will wait for the Lord to help us, though he has turned away from the people of Israel. My only hope is in him. I and the children the Lord has given me have names that reveal the plans the Lord Almighty has for his people. So why are you trying to find out the future by consulting mediums and psychics? Do not listen to their whisperings and mutterings. Can the living find out the future from the dead? Why not ask your God? Check their predictions against my testimony, says the Lord. If their predictions are different from mine, it is because there is no light or truth in them. My people will be led away as captives, weary and hungry. And because they are hungry, they will rage and shake their fists at heaven and curse their king and their God. Wherever they look, there will be trouble and anguish and dark despair. They will be thrown out into the darkness. Isaiah 9 Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will soon be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light, a light that will shine on all who live in the land where death casts its shadow. Israel will again be great, and its people will rejoice as people rejoice at harvest time. They will shout with joy like warriors dividing the plunder. For God will break the chains that bind his people and the whip that scourges them. 
just as he did when he destroyed the army of Midian with Gideon's little band. In that day of peace, battle gear will no longer be issued. Never again will uniforms be bloodstained by war. All such equipment will be burned. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest upon his shoulders. These will be his royal titles, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His ever-expanding peaceful government will never end. He will rule forever with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David. The passionate commitment of the Lord Almighty will guarantee this. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. The Lord has spoken out against that braggart Israel, and the people of Israel and Samaria will soon discover it. In their pride and arrogance, they say, Our land lies in ruins now, but we will rebuild it better than before. We will replace the broken bricks with cut stone, the fallen sycamore trees with cedars. The Lord will reply to their bragging by bringing Razine's enemies, the Assyrians, against them, along with Arameans from the east and Philistines from the west. With bared fangs they will devour Israel. But even then the Lord's anger will not be satisfied. His fist is still poised to strike. For after all this punishment the people will still not repent and turn to the Lord Almighty. Therefore, in a single day, the Lord will destroy both the head and the tail, the palm branch and the reed. The leaders of Israel are the head, and the lying prophets are the tail. For the leaders of the people have led them down the path of destruction. That is why the Lord has no joy in the young men, and no mercy on even the widows and orphans. For they are all hypocrites, speaking wickedness with lies. But even then the Lord's anger will not be satisfied. His fist is still poised to strike. This wickedness is like a brush fire. It burns not only briars and thorns, but the forest too. Its burning sends up vast clouds of smoke. The land is blackened by the fury of the Lord Almighty. The people are fuel for the fire, and no one spares anyone else. They fight against their own neighbors to steal food, but they will still be hungry. In the end, they will even eat their own children. Manasseh will feed on Ephraim, Ephraim will feed on Manasseh, and both will devour Judah. But even then the Lord's anger will not be satisfied. His fist is still poised to strike. End of reading, Isaiah 5, 8 through 9, 21. Isaiah, that's how his ministry began. He was, at the time of his call to ministry, a young man, but probably a scribe, an educated servant of the king there in the palace in Jerusalem, probably already had a very good government job at the time of his call to ministry. Then this vision happened. During the reign of King Ahaz, that is the king that is addressed in chapter 7 that we read tonight, Isaiah's call to ministry in chapter 6, and then a message for Ahaz in chapter 7. Isaiah was a young professional man, a scribe and educated man, working in the palace of the king when it became clear that he was destined for a different career, a different work. It all began, though, with 
this vision of God. I don't think we need to be too mystical about this. You have had a vision of God, I'm sure. We all have. There are moments in our life as we stare at a beautiful sunset or the stars across the great Texas sky, the clouds, the storm, the thunder and the lightning, or maybe the birth of a child. There are times in life when God gets our attention. We have this vision, this understanding of the greatness, the power, the goodness of God. That's what happened to Isaiah. In this dream or vision, he saw God in his holiness and his righteousness and his majesty worshipped by the hosts of heaven, the true and living God. Following that vision of God, he had a vision of himself. When he compared and saw himself in the light of who God was, he became aware of his sin, of his unworthiness to be in God's presence. That is another part of the vision that we all at some level identify with at some time in our lives. We understand that God is great and good and that we are not worthy. We are selfish. We have thought things, said things, done things that make us unworthy for that relationship with God and know that we cannot enter his presence. Then he saw not only God in himself, but he saw God's provision. He saw God's salvation that cleansing, that forgiveness that God offered to him by the coal that was placed on his lips. And then after he had experienced God's salvation and forgiveness and cleansing, he saw the needs of others around him. He saw that God was calling him to carry the message of forgiveness, grace, and love, and to tell others about the true and living God. He spent the next 60 years in that ministry confronting the sin of the leaders and of the people themselves. This all took place in a very specific time. The year was 734 B.C. Ahaz is the king of Judah, and he's about to be attacked by the alliance of the northern kingdom of Israel and Aram with their capital in Damascus. He is frightened by the possible end of his reign, but Isaiah predicts that he would not be defeated, and that's where the sign of Emmanuel is first given. That's the immediate context that I will give you a sign the virgin will conceive a child. In that context, there is some young woman from the house of Ahaz who was not married and would marry and have a son. But on the long term, this is a prophecy of Jesus the Messiah. Another virgin that conceived, a virgin named Mary, would bring forth the Christ, the Messiah, God with us. And then, of course, we see in chapter 9 as well another prophecy of Jesus the Messiah. See you next time. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Start today and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.